Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Good morning. Do you mind taking your Bible, please, and turning to Matthew chapter 5? And if I were to ask you why it is that you come to church, what is it that you'd tell me? I hope that everyone here today loves church. I hope that we're all together decided that we love church. I mean, it is cold today, 19 degrees when we first came, so obviously you love church, right, to braise the elements to come here, but I hope that you love church. And if you really think about it, there's so much to love in church. There's the fellowship of your small group. There's catching up with friends. There's that wonderful time of laughter and and fun and camaraderie that we all get. We get together together with this strong sense that we are a part of something. There's good music, which is what we just had from the praise team to open our hearts to receive the Word of God. There's good music. There's singing those familiar songs. There's learning those new songs. All of these things. There's the preacher preaching to exhort to encourage you to love Jesus more. But all of these good things that we enjoy about church, listen carefully, are really nothing apart from one thing. One thing is more important than any other thing. And that is experiencing God. Listen carefully. You can go to a social club and visit friends. You can go to a concert and you can hear some singing. You can go anywhere and and attend any meeting and hear some man standing up and telling you something. But what sets church apart is that we have come here today to hear from God. We have come here today to hear from God and then worship. Now, we call what we're doing worship because everything in Oxford's service is worship. From the songs that we sing, to the prayers that we pray, to the sermon that is preached. Everything in this service is all designed to confront you with God and then provide an opportunity for us together to order our lives accordingly to what God has said. And that's what worship is. Worship is a response to what we know about God. Worship is a response to who God is. And so everything then is that we do. When Steve and I meet together and we plan the worship service, everything that we do is designed, and we do it prayerfully on our knees, everything that we do is so that we together will encounter God, learn more about Him, and then adjust our lives accordingly to what it is that we know. But the highlight, listen carefully, the highlight of what we do on Sunday morning is when the man who has been set apart by God, the preacher, takes the Word of God, stands before the people, and delivers to the people the Word of God. Now, notice, I didn't say the highlight of the worship service is a preacher. I said the highlight of the worship service is preaching. Now, let's be honest here this morning. You know this as well as I do. Some preachers are better than others, right? Some preachers are better than others. But there's one thing that is more important. I'm glad, by the way, you didn't say too much of an amen there. Thank you very much. Some preachers are better than other preachers, but there's one thing that is more important than any preacher. And the one thing that is more important than any preacher is preaching. 
I don't have a doubt in my mind that there are better preachers than me. But let me tell you something. No one preaches a better message than I do. There's not one person on this earth who has a better gospel than I proclaim to you here today. And so, today, we have enjoined ourselves on this glorious adventure together to study the Sermon on the Mount. Here we have made it all the way. We've been studying Matthew since uh, a little while ago now. And we've made it all the way here to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7 for probably the course of the next year in the life of our church. But before we begin to look at the Sermon on the Mount, I want to take an opportunity, just like last week was an introduction, part one. Well, this week is introduction, part two. Now, next week we'll have introduction, part three, but that's okay. And then we'll get really into the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long series. It's a wonderful series. And I hope that you're going to make it here as much as you can during this whole year because it's going to be life-changing in our church. So today, as we begin to look at the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to remember the reason that we're here. The reason that we come each week at Oxford. We come, listen carefully, to hear a word from God. We come to hear a word from God, listen, not from a preacher, but as the preacher stands and holds the word of God up, invites you to turn, and then from this Bible, from His word, gives you the word of God. And by the way, listen carefully. How in the world do we hear a word from God? The only way that we hear a word from God is preaching. Gathered in an event like this, the only way that we hear a word from God is preaching. So, let's read the text together today. Matthew, we're going to go up to Matthew chapter 4, just for a minute. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, because Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 is really a summary of the entire ministry of Jesus. Then we're going to look again at Matthew chapter 5, the first two verses. So begin reading with me in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Hear the word of the Lord. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Skip down to chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity today to come to hear your word. We are desperate, Lord, upon you to teach us from your word. In the power of your spirit, to the glory of the Father. In the name of the Son, we pray. Amen. Now here's the point of the message today. The entire point of the message encapsulated in this one overarching point. And if you're writing, I encourage you to write because as Adrian Rogers used to say, the weakest ink is stronger than the strongest memory. So write this down. Preaching is indispensable to the church. Preaching is indispensable to the church. Now it's important for you and I to start here because there are some who are ready to dispense with preaching. Now listen carefully to me. Listen carefully. Just because a man stands behind a pulpit, opens a Bible, 
and says a few things that sound really good does not necessarily mean that preaching has occurred. Do you understand that? Just because someone stands behind a pulpit, opens a Bible, and says some flowery things, or maybe some uh, mellow things, and may, they may sound really good, it does not necessarily mean that preaching has occurred. Now listen, you put a preacher who's lost his conviction of how indispensable preaching is with a congregation who doesn't demand to hear the Word of God preached, and you know what you have? You have a recipe for ruin. You have a recipe for disaster. Let me just say, as a preacher, I know because I've felt this in my short time of being in the ministry, there are many pressures on preaching today. And if the preacher or the congregation, if we lose our nerve, then we're liable to collapse under the pressure from a world who is based on a system that seems right to them, but the end therein leads to destruction. The Bible says something about the world. Listen to what the Bible says about the world. The Bible says that the world in Romans is full of unrighteous people. The Bible uses language that talks about the, the unrighteous people in the world. It says that their mouth is an open grave. But here's the funny thing. People, and what I mean by people is I mean preachers and congregations, they would rather choose to listen to the words of men over the words of of God. Sadly, many congregations and many preachers would rather take their cues on what they should do, what they should preach, how they should preach from the ways of the world instead of from God. And let me just say this. If we choose to do that, then this means nothing but ruin. This is a self-defeating enterprise for the church unless someone preaches. Now, I read an article the other day and this article was from the Washington Post. This wasn't from Christianity Today. This wasn't from one of those Christian publications. This was from the Washington Post. And the headline got my attention. It said this. This is the headline. Liberal churches are dying, but conservative churches are thriving. You can automatically imagine, hey, that's good news, right? I was scrolling through my Facebook page and found that article from the Washington Post. I clicked on it. I read it. I didn't share it, but maybe I should so that you can read it too. The article pointed to a seminal moment just 20 years ago, a bishop named John Shelby Spong. He's an Episcopalian pastor, but he published a book. And here's the title of his book, Why Christianity Must Change or Die. So this is 20 years ago. Spong said that congregations would grow. He had a method for church growth. He said that congregations, churches would grow if they abandoned a literal interpretation of the Bible and instead developed and embraced this fluid view of the Bible that the Bible changes as culture changes. The meaning of the Bible changes as culture changes. Like I said, the book was written 20 years ago. Over the years, guess what happened? 2015, just last year, two years ago now, research showed that people were leaving mainline Protestant churches by about one million members annually. Now what do we mean by mainline? We mean the United Methodist churches, we mean the Presbyterian church in USA, we mean the Episcopalian church, we mean the Lutheran church. These are what we mean by mainline 
churches. These churches that had seminal moments and they decided that they were not going to take the Bible as a literal book. Now, that doesn't mean that all United Methodist churches do this or all Presbyterians. You understand what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying these are what the blanket covering of mainline Protestant churches. Those who have embraced the liberal ideas propagated by Spong and others, they are losing about a million members annually, while at the same time this research also showed that those churches that believe in the literal things of the Bible, like Jesus literally rose from the dead, there is a literal hell. Those churches that believe that the Bible is literally the Word of God, guess what's happening to those churches? They are growing, and not just growing, they are thriving. Let me ask you just a question. Where do you think that congregations get the idea that the Bible is either taken literally, or the Bible ebbs and flows as time ebbs and flows? Where do they get such an idea? Such ideas come from the pulpit. Preachers preach a message that a congregation then embraces. And here's the danger. Either the congregation will embrace truth, or the congregation will embrace error. James 3.1, one of the verses that was first given to me by my daddy when I told him that I was called to preach, James chapter 3.1, it still leaves my knees knocking when I think about it. James 3.1 says, Many of you, brethren, are not to become teachers, knowing that as in such, we shall incur a stricter judgment. Where do you think that congregations get their idea? of the literalness of the Bible, they get it from the preacher. And if the preacher doesn't necessarily say that the Bible is not literally, then he acts like it's not literally. Sermons in some churches are reduced now to 15 minutes or less. And I don't know about you, but you do know me, you know me. I couldn't even say open up your Bible in 15 minutes, much less preach a sermon. So here's the thing. Listen carefully. The world may think one way about preaching. They may think that preaching is foolish. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Listen to me carefully. Preaching is one of the ways that God shows that His wisdom is wiser than the wisest of men. And I think about that every time I get up here and preach. That I would have a group of people like you come up every week to listen to what I have to say about the Bible. I know better than to think that you're listening to me. I know the reason you're here. You're here to hear a word from God. And I hope that you demand of your preacher that this man stays on his face with his nose in the Word of God to deliver you a message, not from my own inclinations or my own ideas, but you demand from me that I deliver a message that declares, thus saith the Lord. Listen carefully. Here's a secret for you. When we think about preaching, a point that we need to remember. Preaching was never intended to be glamorous. Preaching is an instrument that God uses to penetrate the darkened world with light. Preaching is an instrument to, that God uses to bring the sweet smell of grace, the sweet smell of life to a world that is filled with rottenness and decay. God chooses preaching to do that. So today, what I want to do in this sermon is today, I want to give you three reasons why we should believe in preaching. Three reasons why preaching is indispensable to the church. Number one, write this down. 
The reason we believe in preaching, the reason that preaching is indispensable to the church, number one, God has spoken. Now that's so important. That point, we could preach an entire message just on that point, but it's so important for you to remember that fact. God has spoken. This is our foundational confessions as Christians. That God has spoken. We say that in a world that is full of voices, in a world of people trying to find truth, trying to find reality, trying to discover things, in a world that is filled full of voices, there is one voice that is distinct. There is one voice that is greater than any of the other voices that is is piercing through the veil of our sinfulness and calling us from darkness to light. There is one voice that's different from all others. God has spoken. You see, Christians, the reason we come together for this, what we're doing here, is we are making a declaration that God has taken the initiative to make Himself known. I love this. And the way that God has spoken is in one of the most straightforward ways. He has used words. He's got His Word written down in a book so that you and I would know, thus saith the Lord. And in a very dramatic way. What has He then done? He's calling, He has called us who have heard His Word to tell others His Word. This is the way the book of Hebrews opens. I love the way the book of Hebrews opens. It says, God spoke long ago in many portions to the prophets. What's he talking about when he says that? He's talking about the Old Testament. But then he says this, in these latter days, by the way, when are the latter days? We're in the latter days right now. We are the latter day saints. Not the Mormon kind, you understand. We are the latter day saints. We are the last day saints. We are those who are in the last days. It says, in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Oh, and what do we know about the Son? The Bible says in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word. The Word spoke all things into existence. So who is this Son? This Son is the same Son who was in the beginning speaking words and bringing the world into existence. Listen, the Father spoke through the Son, and now the Spirit speaks through the Word to the world today. You see this Trinitarian view of God speaking? The Father has spoken, the Son has spoken, and then now the Spirit is speaking. And what's the Spirit doing? He's telling us the words of Jesus. For what reason? To the glory of the Father. That's what's going on. And today in this world, God is getting all praise all glory. You see, here's the point. God has spoken. And since He has spoken, we can't help but speak. So you see what we're doing? The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. And then you have this other moment where Paul says again, he says, okay, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, how will they hear unless someone preaches? You hear that? Then it says, how will they preach unless they're sent? And then he goes on and he talks about the preacher. And he says, beautiful are the ones whose feet carry the gospel. That's a good way to put on somebody's tombstone, right? The preacher that you love, say, man, he has beautiful feet. Nobody would know what you're talking about unless you read the Bible. But the preachers are those who they have this, this idea that God uses them. What do you do with feet? You don't just sit somewhere with feet. You walk with them. 
the way by in which God carries forth His Word into the world is through calling men to preach. God has spoken. And since He has spoken, we cannot help but preach. So who are preachers? Preachers are those who are called and commissioned to proclaim the truth of God into the world. Preachers, listen carefully, preachers are called to herald. They're called to be as those criers standing in the town center, heralding a message, not a message of their own. They're just simply telling the news that they've received. Do you understand this? Listen, on my resume that you received, or that some of you received at Oxford Baptist Church, one of the things that was written underneath was a conviction that God taught me very early on in my ministry, and it's a conviction now that I still share. God has never promised to bless any words of a preacher, but you know one thing that He has promised to bless? His Word. So if a preacher really believes that God has chosen to bless His Word instead of the words of a preacher, then you know what the preacher can do? He can practice preaching by opening the Bible every week and sharing with the congregation, thus saith the Lord. Now, There's been some things that we've looked at at Oxford that have been some pretty difficult topics. We've looked at marriage and the Gospel. We've looked at the issue of election and free will, all of those things. And I'm not afraid to preach them. You know why? Because it's written. Because I don't have to come and try to make up something to preach to you. God has delivered His Word. And because God has delivered His Word, because God has spoken, we cannot help but preach. You see, preaching is proclaiming this message. Preaching is proclaiming Him. Preaching is proclaiming a message of life. In a world that's filled with decay, in a world that's filled with sin, there is one who stands and heralds the good news that there is life and it's only available in Jesus' name. They call Him the preacher. And this is why Jesus has come. Jesus has come with a message. And as a matter of fact, the wonderful thing about Jesus and the really neat thing about Jesus is He's not just come with a message. The cool thing about Jesus is, well, not only has He come with a message, He's sort of a message Himself. Only Jesus can be that. See, my job is to point to Jesus and say, listen to me as I listen to Him. Jesus says, listen to me. See, this is why in Matthew we're going to see along the lines as we read and study that Jesus was different from all the rest of any other teacher who'd ever come before because Jesus spoke as one who had authority. You know why He did? You know why He was able to speak as one who had authority? There's only one real reason. Because He did. Because He did. And He proves it. He goes and He looks at a storm and He says, peace be still, and the waves stop and the, and the wind stops blowing. And we're left with this idea, who is this man that even the storms of the seas obey him? You have this Jesus who walks to the tomb of a dead man and says, you who are dead, come back to life. And you know what happens? The dead man comes back to life. You have a man who says, you know what? Destroy this temple, referring to his body. He says, kill me. And then three days later, I'm going to come back to life. So you know what happens? They kill him. And you know what happens three days later? He comes back to life. Now, I don't know about you. If a man says he can do all of those things and he actually does them, 
you can listen to pretty much anything he says. Charles Stanley used to tell us this story that was told by his granddad and George Washington Stanley used to say that, that if God tells you to go run headlong from this end of the church to this end of the church, run headlong into that wall, and you need to do it. You need to trust that God's going to make a hole there for you when you get there. But either way, God has the authority. The point in what Stanley was saying was, whatever God says, listen to Him. Whatever God says, be ready to obey. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, obey Him. Perhaps a verse that you like. I know it's a verse that I like. My life verse, matter of fact, it's, you may think that I'm strange, but hopefully you don't. Hopefully you just think I love Jesus and I'm sort of crazy about the guy. Uh, my wedding cake, you know, Katie got her wedding cake. It was, the, it was the big one in the room. The men, when we come to the wedding, we get our little wedding cake. It's over here, you know, a little bitty thing tucked in. Oh, yeah, that's the groom's cake. Nobody wants the groom's cake, but everybody wants the wedding cake. But my cake, you know what it was? It was an open Bible. And on the Bible, it had written Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You know why He directs your path? Because He's God. And because God has spoken, we can't help but speak. If God had never spoken, by the way, He didn't have to speak. He could have left, as some religions believe, everything just sort of an enigma. Everything's sort of a mystery. We don't know what God's up to. We don't know who God is. Maybe, maybe He's a she. Maybe she's an it. All these kind of questions that everyone's looking No, God said, no, no. I'm going to make it plain as day for you. I'm not going to just give you a word. I'm going to send you My Word, Jesus Christ. You're going to get to hear stories about Him living. You're going to get to hear stories about Him dying. You're going to get to hear stories about Him rising again. But not just stories that someone told you. Stories of people who were actually there who saw it happen and they're just carrying forth that message. God has spoken. And because He has spoken, we cannot help but preach. So Jesus, and this is again, is the reason that Jesus has come. So that leads us to number two this morning. Why preaching is indispensable. Number two, Jesus preached. Jesus preached. Now let me ask you a question. When you think about Jesus, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Do you think about uh, what He wore? Maybe what He might have looked like? Maybe the first thing that comes to your mind here on January, the second week in January, you think about the star-filled manger scene and the, and the shepherds and you know, the wise men who came a little later. And, or maybe you think about an old rugged cross sitting atop of Calvary's hill. Maybe you think of Jesus going through the countryside, walking with those sandals and healing all kinds of diseases of those who were brought to Him. Maybe that's what you think about when you think about Jesus. And let me just say, all of those things are very important aspects of Jesus' ministry. But today, I want you to consider an aspect of Jesus that maybe some of you have overlooked. An aspect that's right here before us in, in the Bible. An aspect that's right here in Matthew Chapter 5, while Jesus was on this earth, He chose to make His ministry a ministry of proclamation. Now think about Jesus. He could do anything that He wants, right? Anything that He wants. He could stand up in the heavens, turn the, the sky into lime green if He wanted to, and write in it, whatever. He could do anything that He wanted. But while He was here, He chose to make a cornerstone of His ministry a ministry of 
proclamation. Jesus was a preacher. Have you ever considered that? That Jesus was a preacher? When you look to the life and to the ministry of Jesus, there is one thing that is undeniable. Jesus, He tells us quite a bit about who He is and what He's come to do. And one of the ways that He does this is by extended periods of proclamation. Extended periods of preaching. Now, if we were to look at Matthew's Gospel, as we'll see as we're going to dive into Matthew's Gospel over the next little while here, we'll see that Matthew divides his entire Gospel. Matthew tells the story of Jesus around five different discourses, five different sermons, five different proclamation points of Jesus. And some say, and they may be right, that here Matthew is presenting Jesus as the new Moses, the better Moses, the fulfillment of all the Scriptures. So you have these five discourses of Jesus. How many books did Moses write? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So there are five major discourses in Matthew. Let me just tell you what they are just very quickly. Matthew is, of course, we have the first one, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5-7, through that's the first discourse. The second discourse is known as the Missions Discourse in chapter 10. The third is the Discourse of Parables in chapter 13. Fourth is the Discourse, what some call the Discourse of the Church in, in 18. And then finally, by the time we get there, we'll have discovered in Matthew 23 through 25, there is what's known as the Olivet or the End Times Discourse. And all of these sayings of Jesus, all of these things that Jesus is saying, all can be viewed as Jesus telling us what it means to be a subject of His kingdom. This is the reason why your pastor has chosen to entitle this series, Come and Meet Your King. Because this is what Matthew is inviting us to do. He's inviting us to come, meet our King, be his members of His kingdom, and that, that way we will never be the same again. Now, I say all that just to simply say to you, preaching is important to Jesus. And if preaching is important to Jesus, hopefully, we understand that preaching is important to us together. Now you say, preacher, of course. Let me just say, let me just be honest. To this point here, I can hear what you're saying. You're trying to just pad yourself here. You're, you're doing your best to keep your, your job security. You're a preacher preaching on preaching. By the way, preacher, you're sort of preaching to the church. This is the group that's here when it's 19 degrees outside. Preacher, I think you're preaching to the choir. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. I want you to understand this. Preaching is important to Jesus. I hope that preaching is important not just to me. And let me just say, it is very important to me. But I hope that preaching is important to you. And you say, how in the world can it be important to me? I am not a preacher. There's one final reason that I want to share with you about why we together should not be too dismissive to preaching. Listen carefully. Listen, 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 listen. God has ordained preaching as a way for us together to know who He is. Number three this morning. Through preaching, you either grow or you're hardened. Through preaching, you're either saved or you're hardened. 
Let me just say, the preacher is not the only one involved in preaching. And I think that you really, all of you believe this. At least I hope that you do. You're here. I'm glad that you're here. I hope you come every week. I hope you bring your friends with you. I hope that you're excited to come every week. As excited or maybe more than I am. But the preacher is not the only one involved in preaching. We have gathered together. All of us together have come for one purpose. We've come together for one purpose. To hear the Word of the Lord. Now here's my portion. I as a preacher have been preparing all week for this moment. I really have. I live for Sundays. My wife can tell you. It's true. There again. You may think that I'm weird. Hopefully you just think that I love you and I love Jesus. But I really look forward to these moments. Every moment that I get to stand behind the sacred desk and preach, I am so thrilled to do it. Because I can remember a time when I didn't have an opportunity to preach. I can remember a time when I left First Baptist Church of Atlanta and, and I left because I was pursuing a call of God to go to seminary. And so here I was preaching every week, twice a week, you know, to either the college ministry or the youth ministry or the discipleship group at the church, whatever the case. I was in the Word preaching three times a week. Really, I had a Bible study at the college that I attended. So here I was preaching, 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 preaching. I say, okay, Lord, I need to follow you. I need to go to seminary. I need to study to be all that I can be for Jesus. I need to, I need to expand and learn and grow. God took me to seminary. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, my opportunities for preaching, gone. I remember sitting across the desk of a guy who was a ministry relations guy. And I went up to him and Katie was there. And the point of him is he's supposed to connect you to a church. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be the guy who you go to and you give him your resume and say, hey, I'm called to preach. This is the guy who connects you to churches. And so I remember him. And Katie was there. She remembers this too. He said, well, what are you called to do? What do you want to do? I said, well, sir, I'm, I'm called to preach. I'd love to be in a place where I could preach. I won't ever forget, he did one of these kind of things where he sort of laid down his pen, leaned up at the desk, looked at me, and he said, well, son, let me tell you something. There are 2,000 students here, and every one of them has a call to preach. You're going to have to broaden your horizons. And I won't ever forget, I was taken back by that. I was. What that did in my life was it forced me on my knees. It forced me to even discover whether or not the desire to preach was even something that I should even desire. And so I remember going through and I remember praying and I remember listening to my pastor back in Atlanta talk about when it's wise to wait and all of these wonderful sermons that perhaps you've learned to grow in love as well from Dr. Stanley. And then I remember a moment came where here I am lamenting. I went from preaching three times a week to going and working in a YMCA. I went from having a nice desk. My desk now has tennis balls on the bottom so that I can roll it around to wipe snotty kids' noses. It's fantastic. And I remember thinking to myself, God, you've forgotten? What am I doing? I'm called to preach. What's going on? A period of brokenness. What God was showing me was that preaching is a privilege. Preaching is something that I should never take for granted. Preaching is an absolute privilege. And so you know what God did for me? After a little while, about six months to eight months, God let me have, as a 23-year-old seminary student, my first church to pastor. I'm excited about preaching because I know that preaching is a privilege and together we've been 
preparing ourselves totally for this one moment we're gathered together, coming ready to hear what God says. And one of the ways that we show this, that we're ready to hear what God says, is exactly what we do. I stand up here. I say, open your Bibles. I say a little few things just to get you interested. Then I read the Bible. And then after I read the Bible, what do I do? I pray. The reason that I pray is because I'm, I'm making a declarative statement in my prayer. Oh God, unless you speak, we're wasting our time. Please, speak. And I am confident that you didn't come here to hear a man. I am confident that you came here in a mysterious way to hear from God. As we together encounter Him through His Word being preached. And there is nothing else like this event called preaching. This is what this is. It's an event where we together have gathered in different ways, but we've all come together for one purpose. We've all come together with ourselves with full expectation and with full faith that this God who has spoken will indeed continue to speak as His Word is preached. And when He speaks to us, listen carefully, when He speaks to us, which is what He's doing right now through the preaching, when He speaks to us, His Word will have an effect. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things from which I have sent it. You know what this means? You know what that passage means? This passage means that the Word of the Lord will have an effect. And what kind of effect then will the Word have? There was a preacher who knew the kind of effect that the ministry of the Word would have the Apostle Paul. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about his own preaching ministry. Listen to what he says. What kind of effect will the Word have? Let's ask Paul. Listen to what Paul says. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us, listen, through us, who are they? Preachers, missionaries, proclaimers. Through us spreads the fragrant of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Paul says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Do you hear that? Listen to what he said. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Either way, they say, when the Word goes forth, People encounter God and it has an effect on them. And then Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? And then he says, we're not like so many peddlers of God's Word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Listen to me carefully. When the Word is preached, you can either grow 
or you can be hardened. Are you listening to me this morning? Say amen. If you come week after week and hear the Word of the Lord faithfully preached and you are not seeing any spiritual progress in your life, then listen carefully. Don't think that the Word is not having an effect on you. The effect may not be the effect that you desire. But the Word of the Lord is either saving you or it's hardening your heart. Either it's a sweet smell of the life of Christ or it's a fragrance of death. If preaching is so important and so indispensable, then don't you think that you and I should develop whatever it takes to listen? Shouldn't we develop whatever it takes to listen? And I think that sometimes it is a discipline to listen. I know that. It is a discipline to listen. But if preaching is so important, then shouldn't we do whatever it takes to listen? Anytime we have an attitude of drifting away, shouldn't we beat our hearts and say, Heart, listen. Hear the Word of the Lord. What's going on? If it's so important, shouldn't we do whatever it takes to listen? Listening to sermons is always difficult for those who are hard-hearted. But listening to sermons is a matter of life and death. And I'm so encouraged when I read other preachers, like, for example, the author of Hebrews. When Hebrews, he's going through this wonderful, this wonderful exhortation, this wonderful declaration of what God said. And then he says in chapter 5, 11, he says, we have so much to say about this. It's hard to explain. And then he says, the reason it's hard to explain is because the audience has grown dull of hearing. Don't you wish that he didn't have to say that, that he would have said, let me just tell you what this is. Jesus would not perform many miracles in that place because of the people's lack of belief. You understand the pattern here? Preaching will have an effect. It will either make you grow or it will harden your heart. And I love the way that Paul warned young Timothy. Listen to what he says in Timothy as he's warning this young preacher. He says, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, you know, this one who's going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Listen to what he says. He says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. He says, Timothy, you're going to get into this thing called preaching and people are not going to want to listen to you, but Timothy, don't listen to them who don't want to listen to you. You listen to me. And Paul tells his young Timothy, you preach the Word. You preach the Word with long-suffering, with patience in the pulpit, teaching and encouraging these people as one standing in the gap, standing between heaven and earth, declaring a message of hope, declaring, thus saith the Lord. Now, since sermons are so vital, and since we have such an important task set before us, I want you to take your bulletin real quick. And hopefully you, you found this in your bulletin today. If you don't have one, pick it up on the way out. There's some bulletins near the door. 
hopefully you'll see this and very quickly. I want to go over these with you. Very quickly. If listening is so important, then I want to teach you this morning how to listen to a sermon. Nine ways to get the most out of preaching. Let's just go through these very quickly. And I want to elaborate on them more, but time just won't allow me this morning. But number one, come humbly. Come humbly. If you're going to come hear a sermon, the first way that you should come is humbly. Recognizing that God has spoken. He is the one who takes the initiative. Come humbly. The next one is come thirsty. Come thirsty. Be convinced that this is the best place for you to be. Hopefully there's not a better place that you would love to be than right here on Sunday morning. Come thirsty. Hungering to hear God's words preached. Saturate your mind with Scripture beforehand. Read the Bible. Come clean. Ask this question as you come to a worship service. Are you passionately pursuing God? And if your life were to tell a story, would your life tell the story of one who is pursuing God? Or are you just simply pursuing vanity? Come clean. Come loaded. Look at this next one. Worship is an experience with God. Trust the truth that you already have and come ready to receive more. The next one is important. Come fresh. Get a good night's sleep beforehand. That's so important. Get a good night's sleep. Listen, there's no excuse to fall asleep in the, in the worship service. I'm sorry. No excuse. If preaching is, an, is a declaration, I know some people have problems. I understand that. My dad, for example, he falls asleep now because he has to be on the CPAP machine. I understand those things. But if preaching is so important, do whatever it takes to keep yourself awake. Bite your tongue. Do whatever you have to do. This is important. Come fresh. The next one is come teachable. Don't be overly critical. You're here to listen. You're here to receive. I won't ever forget Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary. We were in a preaching class with him one time. And one thing that you'll see about Danny Aiken is most times, unless he's providentially hindered, he is right there listening to preachers. And this guy has a Ph.D. He's a seminary president. He doesn't have to be there, but he chooses to be there. And you know why he's there? We asked him, we said, Dr. Aiken, why do you come? He says, because it would be prideful for me. And we were talking about this guy who was coming. You know, he's a little country pastor, no education. He's coming to preach, been invited to preach at the seminary. Dr. Aiken, why would you come? He says, it's prideful of me to think that I can't learn from a man who takes the Word of God and preaches it to me. You know what I do here at Oxford? You know how I practice that? I, as a pastor, sit underneath the teaching of another. Jason Parker is my Sunday school teacher. Why? Because I know that I can learn a lot from Jason. I know that whoever I were to sit under in, in whatever Sunday school class, I learn a lot. And hopefully you have the same attitude. Come teachable. Come undistracted. I know supper or lunchtime, yeah, supper. Lunchtime is closed, but just come undistracted. I'll make the most of the time if you make the most of the time. Come without settling. Test each word and listen to hear Christ proclaim. Then listen to this. If you disagree, See if you disagree with the preacher or with the Word of God. If you disagree with the Word of God, then change your thoughts. And then the last one. Come expectant. And this is the best one. God is ready to speak to you. But the question is, are you ready to listen? Don't desire to leave without hearing from God. Take notes. Interact with the text. Argue with me if you want in your mind. That's okay. Do whatever it takes to put your mind in gear to receive a word 
from God. Now listen carefully as we close. Preaching is indispensable. Hopefully we all can agree on that. Preaching is indispensable. I don't have to be your pastor, you understand? But I have to preach. I have to preach. There's one thing that I've been called to do, one motivation that I have, and I've spent thousands of dollars to make it true with all my education. Thousands of hours, read thousands of words, tens of thousands of words. Also, I can do one thing so that I can preach and preach faithfully. On Wednesday nights, we receive a prayer sheet. And I share this with the group on Wednesday nights. One of the things that we're praying for at Oxford is the preaching ministry. Now, when I first got that, I, I made that up and I said, pray for the preacher's preaching. And my secretary at the time, Miss Elizabeth, she said, we may need to change that. That sounds a little negative. Pray for the preacher's preaching. But listen, I mean it. Pray for me. Pray for me in one way. That as I preach, I'll get better. Pray for me that as I preach that I will make the Word of God ever more clear. Because that's what I want to do. And let me tell you a secret. I'm praying for you too. I'm praying that you'll be a better listener. I'm praying that we together will learn what it means to worship. Preaching is indispensable to the church. Are you listening this morning? You see, maybe you're here this morning and you need ears to hear. Maybe you look back over the course of your life and you see that preaching has had an effect on you and what it's been doing, it's been hardening your heart. If that's the case, and I'm going to invite you this morning to repent. I'm going to invite you this morning to have a moment with God, you and Him, and say, Oh God, I have been so critical, so hard-hearted. Would you forgive me? I'm going to come humble. I'm going to come expectant. I'm going to come ready to hear from you. I'm going to pray for my preacher that he gets better. I'm going to pray that the preaching ministry of Oxford would be a ministry that touches the world. And we would see countless souls changed for Jesus. You see, here's the thing. You may this morning, if you are not listening, maybe you need ears to hear. Maybe you need the ears to hear. And listen, ears to hear are only available for those who have faith. Ears to hear are only available for those who trust in Jesus Christ. Ears to hear are only available for the Christian. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be born again. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to give your whole life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, during our time of invitation, this invitation is for you. Whatever decision you need to make, we ask you as we stand, won't you come? Would you pray with me? And then we'll stand and come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that the preaching event is the most important event where we get to hear in some mysterious way the voice of God. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege of preaching. Thank you that Jesus was a preacher. Thank you that I get to preach Jesus. Father, we pray for these here. Some may not have ears to hear. I pray that in the power of your Spirit, you would save them and give them ears to hear. Whatever decision people need to make, Lord, would you give them the strength to make it this morning? We love you. We give ourselves wholly to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for his glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.